volatility, uncertainty, complexity. This is the work environment that is our reality. What will leaders need to know to be successful in the future? Who will they need to be to build team member commitment? How will they need to show up to create a motivating environment for their people? Welcome to the Sal Sylvester on the Future of Leadership podcast, a dialogue about how leaders will need to adapt to be successful in a rapidly changing world. And now, please join your host and executive producer, Sal Sylvester, to engage in the conversation about the future of leadership and how to transform people into confident leaders. As you may know, we're interrupting season two of Sal Sylvester and the Future of Leadership podcast to share some resources and tools to help you, your leaders, and our community through this crisis. After today's episode, we're going to get back on track with the final three episodes for season two, including a topic on the future of leadership with Heather McGowan and mindfulness with Akeem Nowak. Thank you for joining me. My name is Sal Sylvester. Hard to believe, but we are halfway through the year almost, and much has changed in such a short period of time. At the time of this recording, it's June 10th today, we're now entering our fourth month of learning how to live with COVID-19. As I reflect on these past few months, I've heard many people describe this period as a pause. I don't believe it's a pause. I believe it's a reset. We aren't going back to the way things were. And as we approach the end of Q2, this is the perfect time of the year to consider the current state of the business and the gap that might exist between where it is and the original aspirations you had at the beginning of the year. During today's episode, we're bringing back John Wittry. John and I spoke in January about our strategic planning methodology, and we talked about that methodology to help organizations get aligned and create clarity in 2020. But for many businesses, the goals that were set at the beginning of the year are either temporarily or permanently obsolete. So today, John and I are gonna focus on the reset, how leaders need to reset their thinking, how they need to reset their strategy, and how they need to reset their culture. We also created a business reprioritization toolkit to help you apply the frameworks that we talk about in this session. It's a free download, and you can find it on our podcast episode page at 512solutions.com. All right, so quick intro for John if you didn't get a chance to hear him in January. I've known John for quite some time. He's an incredible man, incredible human being. He's one of our senior executive coaches and master facilitators. John has been in training, executive coaching, and facilitation of strategic planning for 25 plus years. His clients are incredibly diverse, from foresters in the Pacific Northwest to a large number of Fortune 100 companies. John has a broad perspective of challenges that leaders face and how to support them in breakthrough achievement. Let's go to the interview with John now. John, thanks. Great to have you back on the show today. And when we last touched base and, and recorded an episode, it was January. And we talked about our strategic planning methodology. And the intent really was to help organizations create alignment and some clarity as they were moving into 2020. Well, fast forward five or six months, it's mm -hmm. June 10th, the time of this recording, and we're in a very different place. As we enter the fourth month of this pandemic, what are you noticing? It's really, uh, it's a great question, and it's amazing to think it was January and how different the world was. The nice thing about these last 
four or five months is I've been maybe more engaged with my clients than I've ever been helping them navigate this whole thing. And what I've been noticing has changed, I think, every week of that month. This has been such a challenging time in our history. No one's gone through this before. And as leaders, they've not gone through this before. And so their moods are being swayed. Maybe that's what I'm noticing. I'm noticing that people's moods are changing very frequently. Recently, I've been in a lot of conversations around emotional intelligence, and it seems like the whole concept of emotional intelligence, operating with emotional intelligence as a leader, has become very, very important. Making sure that they're doing any work around self-awareness, making sure they're really tuning in to how they feel, what's their experience, what's happening inside of them. And then seeing where they need to exercise more self-management, taking care of themselves, um, taking care of their reactions, making sure they're responding to things instead of reacting. And then from a social awareness standpoint, making sure they're really in tune with their team. It's quite difficult to stay in tune with another individual across the camera. We don't get to use some key senses. We don't get to use our intuition We don't get to feel the energy that somebody else is giving off. And so really paying special attention to the self-awareness with the ultimate goal of managing those relationships, right? The last part of emotional intelligence quadrant. So I guess today, right now, I'm noticing my clients who are wanting to stay on top of things, really having to pay attention to their emotional intelligence would be my shortest way I could say that. Yeah, I think that's a great point. We generally will gravitate back toward our natural tendencies under stress. Yeah. And when left unchecked, we might create reactions that don't necessarily move conversations forward. With peers who have competing priorities, we may not stay composed. I think you're right that social and emotional awareness is critically important at this yeah, point yeah. in time. Yeah. The way that I've been thinking about this period is to me, it's been a reset. Like every organization has been shaken to its core for some reason or another. And we're only halfway through the year. Like yeah. we're just coming up to the end of Q2. I think it's it's a great time of the year now to start looking at where the business is, noticing any gaps that may or likely exist between where we are today and where our aspirations were at the beginning of the year. And I think leaders have to reset around three things. Number one, their thinking. Number two, certainly the business strategy. And then number three, the culture in which what that enables the business strategy. You just mentioned something earlier in your statement. No one's been through this before. How does that inform leaders in terms of how their thinking needs to change or what's the reset in a way a leader needs to think given this environment that we're in right now? Yeah, I guess the thing that first comes to my mind with that question, Sal, is leaders don't get to fall back on past experience and resurface something that they've applied in this situation before. And so they're actually either having to really engage their own creativity or they're actually having to be in more dialogue with other people and find out different ways of thinking about things, different ways of viewing things. Maybe this scenario is forcing us as leaders to not be so self-sufficient, but actually to rely more on others, whether they are our peers, whether they're Mm -hmm. the people that work with us or for us. But I think 
maybe, I'm hoping, a more collaborative style of leadership because there is no past experience to fall back on. It's a really good point. One of the models that we've been looking at, and I know that we've looked at this together, is the idea of how a leader needs to think in a very predictable environment is different than how a leader needs to think in an unpredictable environment. So in that predictable environment, you're alluding to this, there's a playbook or we can look at a past experience or we can find an expert that has been there, done that, and then we apply those principles to solve the current solution. But we've never been through what we are going through today. It's completely unpredictable. And so the cause and effect is not clear until after the fact. We're sort of coaching our clients around the same thing, which is we think that the way leaders need to to change their thinking is experiment, look for patterns, learn, and then pivot. And it's like this never-ending cycle of experimentation in small increments and then learning and then changing the path forward. Yeah, and I think it's one of the great things that we could take forward out when we get on the other side of this, because I think it's a great way to operate. Like instead of one person having all the answers and saying, go do this, saying, what should we do? I, I, I think there's one story that if we had more time, I would tell in depth. Recently I had an experience with a leader who tends towards more command and control style of leadership. My jaw could have hit the floor when I heard him say to his direct reports, what do you think we should do? They didn't know what to say because I don't know that they've ever <laughs> heard him and asked that question before. But I think it's brilliant. And I I think it it really points to the time that we're in. No one person knows what to do. But collectively, we can come up with really creative ideas to go test, learn our lessons, pivot, go back and test it again. So It's really well said. And in some cases, with the level of innovation that I think businesses need now, in many cases, business models have changed so dramatically. It's not just about optimizing an existing system, which is definitely innovative, but this is more about revolutionizing or making major transformation. In many cases, experience is more valuable when we're trying to optimize an existing business model and gets in the way when we're so attached to an existing business model. So you're right. like We need different voices. We need more voices to change our thinking ultimately. Yeah. No, I totally agree with you. So that's the first reset just around. I think it's really key because before we can get into resetting the business strategy, we do have to think about how we think so that we can set the right strategy or at least be open about the right strategy. So as companies start to reemerge here, as they start to go back to work, as they start to reopen businesses, again, the priorities or goals that many of them set at the beginning of the year are either temporarily or permanently obsolete, how do companies deal with that? How do they start to reset that business strategy? Just one answer to that, but also I'll generalize a little bit. And and of course, this comes from the experience that I'm currently having with my clients. And that is, in some ways, I'm asking them to move their strategic planning cycle forward. And how I've seen it done real recently, very effectively, is first, have a good, robust accountability review on your existing operating plan. So doing a good review of what are our objectives, what were our targets, what's our actual, what's our variance, what do we want to celebrate? And then instead of course correction, asking ourselves, is this still valid today? Is this objective still valid in today's scenario? 
I like starting first with an accountability review on the old operating plan, because then you close doors that need to be closed. You keep open doors that need to be open. Mm-hmm. Then I think it's really worth going back and looking at your strategy, mission, vision, values, unique market position, all the key attributes that we talked about on the last podcast that we did. And in some cases, I'd be surprised if there was change. Quite frankly, I don't know that values would significantly change. There might be some tweaks. There, it's possible, though, vision and mission could change for some organizations. Yeah. It, it just depends on what their focus is. But I think it's at least worth going back and revisiting. And now it's kind of off cycle because here we are June 10th, right? So usually with my clients, this happens in the October, November timeframe. But doing it off cycle like this with current data. The other thing that I, I am working with my clients on is we used to take, with the strategy, we would take a, maybe a three-year look at all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying, does anybody feel comfortable looking three years out right now? <laughs> right. And, and <laughs> I don't personally. And so reeling that in, hey, for the next year from a strategy standpoint, and then from an operating plan, so clear objectives, projects that map those objectives, and then the metrics, the operating plan. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing more of my clients get comfortable with three to six months. What do we want to do instead of a year timeframe, which is what we did last used to do just recognizing that things are changing so much that we might only look at things from a three to six month standpoint. Now, I think that allows you to be more agile. I think that allows you to course correct swifter as things continue to change more problems continue to layer on top of the ones we're already facing Just to summarize what I just said, an accountability review on the existing operating plan and then an abbreviated strategic planning process to get as clear as you can on the next maybe six months. There isn't a playbook right now to address the complexity in our work environment. More than ever, leaders need other leaders to share strategies and tactics ideas, and action plans. That's why we started our Leadership Coaching Circle. It's a six-month program that provides a platform for an exclusive group of already successful senior leaders to support each other, to accelerate their development, and to navigate change together. Each Leadership Coaching Circle is comprised of hand-picked cohorts of four to six senior leaders. The program includes a monthly leadership exchange to elevate leadership skills and gain insights from other successful senior leaders. It includes one executive coaching session per month to address the targeted needs that each participant might have. There's a peer coaching element to it, and of course, access to our Coach Metrics platform for leadership frameworks, communication, session notes, and other resources. If you're interested in applying to be part of our Leadership Coaching Circle program, Our next cohort's gonna start in the next 30 days. Send us an email at info at 512solutions.com. Info at 512solutions.com. Some of what I've been seeing with our clients that align with what you just described, and maybe I'll add on to that, is you can do a SWOT analysis for where you are now. So oftentimes we'll do that as part of our strategic planning process. So I think it is also interesting to look at where are we strong and weak internally? What new threats have emerged that we did not see four or five months ago and what new opportunities could be possible that we did not see? And part of what 
we found with our clients under stress is the weaknesses get magnified, the yes. threats get magnified, and it becomes harder to find the strengths and the opportunities. But I think that's an interesting exercise to go through now to say, where are the new threats and the new opportunities? And then a second piece I would add is there's a management theory that I've been recently looking into and exploring by Henry Mintzberg. He's a professor and author and a research on emergent strategy. An emergent strategy, it's a pattern of action that develops over time in an organization as plans collide with the changing reality of the market. And so companies have already been reacting for three or four months with this pandemic. It would be interesting now to look at some of the strategies that have emerged from that or some of the patterns and then be able to filter those back into any new plans that come out of this. If I understand what you're saying correctly, a simple example of that could be the work from home scenario. So the number of clients, their strategy was to have these big buildings with their people centrally located because they thought that was how to keep them most productive. And now all of a sudden we've been forced into this situation where we can't do that. And we have all these people working from home and a lot of my clients are realizing, oh my gosh, they're really productive. And then maybe I don't need all these big buildings. And so that might be an example where we had this plan, reality collided with that plan, and now we have this emergent strategy coming around work from home. Might be just a simple example of that and you could apply to many other areas. Without a doubt, I've seen so much innovation that's come about in such a short period of time. Companies rolling out new products or services that have emerged out of an essential need. We could even look at our local restaurants that have figured out how to do pickup or in downtown Louisville in Colorado, they are now closing down Main Street and they're going to put tables out in Main Street so they can have socially distant service. There are these strategies that are emerging that could inform our next phase business plan. Yeah, another small example. I've for years used a buff, what they call a buff, a neck gaiter or a neck warmer for my really cold morning bicycle rides. Well, that's a really great mask to use to go to the grocery store too. Absolutely. And in fact, these buff companies are starting to market that direction. They're so crushing I think those are great it. examples of this emergent strategy concept. Yeah, I think that is too. John, you and I talked about some really critical questions in our webinar in January around unique market position. I think those same questions would be good questions to ask at this point in time because things have changed quite a bit. Can you review those quickly with us? So there's lots of different, like this is a taxon, becomes a taxonomy play at some point. But I think you have to have a really clear why. So why does your, why does your organization exist? Why does your company exist? What gets you up out of bed in the morning? Why do your employees want to continue to come to work? Why should those possible employees want to choose your company over your competitors? So I think a good why statement. Hey, John, can I jump in real quickly? Of course. Mm-hmm. The why statement, I believe, has to go beyond to maximize shareholder value. Please, yes. <laughs> Please, right? It, the maximizing a shareholder value will come as a result of having a strong why, but the why should not be maximizing shareholder value. Yeah, and quite frankly, and this could get me in all kinds of trouble by saying that, you I'm know, I'm sure me, we'll I'll get lots it. of messages. Yeah, about I'll say it anyway, is I think sometimes maximizing shareholder value is what's getting you in trouble. Hmm. 
I just think sometimes it can be the wrong motivation. In some situations, it can be the wrong motivation. And there are times when shareholders need to not get a ton of value for a period of time for long-term sustainable results. So I, I have an allergic reaction to shareholder value sometimes, just to be yes. really honest. Yeah. So this first one is having that really strong why, that winning aspiration. What's next? Yeah. What's the, the next one is an aspirational statement. And this is really what drives you outside of the box that you're in. What's wildly possible for your team? What really stretches you? So a strong aspirational statement for your organization becomes important. Mm-hmm. And then we move into values. What are your core values? And, and I like to keep the core values to the fewest number possible so that we can actually remember them and do our best to live into them. So what are the three to five non-negotiable core values your organization wants to operate from? And you're going to use these like in times like this when times are really difficult. Really difficult times should drive you back to these values to help you make value-based decisions. So getting clear on those core values. Then where will you play? So what is your marketplace? Where are you going to flex your muscle? You can't play everywhere. You have to be as specific as you possibly can as to what your playing field is. And then once you're on that playing field, the next one is how will you win? What is essentially your competitive advantage? What sets you apart from those people who want the share of the marketplace that you're after. With those things in place, you can start to say, okay, what are the gaps that we have? What are some of the capabilities that we are lacking that we really need to lean into? And then finally, what are the management systems that are required that might be missing or where do they need to be tweaked to serve us more effectively now? So those are ones that we reviewed during our past podcast. It's really good. And they all relate to each other. So they roll up or cascade up to each other. And there are a series of choices. I mean, that's ultimately what strategy is, is making choices, which is never easy. Choices about what you're going to do and what you're not going to do. Absolutely. So as companies start to make choices now, maybe some new choices that are different from the choices we made back in January, no matter how we define it, what our organizational cultures have faced has been pretty dramatic. There have been abrupt changes to remote work, as you just mentioned. There are new modes of communication, potentially rebuilt business models that have no guarantees for success. As leaders start to face these realities, how do we need to reset our culture? Well, I think any reset has to incorporate what you're learning right now. So I'll give you an example of something I'm wrestling with an organization right now. So this is a company that has led with people first as a statement for a really long time. Hmm. And I would say they have endeavored to make people first part of their culture. And then this crisis hit and some of the initial actions that they took were not consistent or in alignment with people first. Right. And so I I think we can use our learning and watch our behavior from this and see where has the culture we were trying to create, what happened to it during this time? Did our behavior reflect that culture? Mm. If so, great. If our behavior did not reflect that culture, do we need to change 
what we're talking about in our culture to more resemble our behavior because no one wants you to talk about this culture and then exhibit an adverse behavior. Yeah. And so we want to make sure those things are congruent. I think you got to really look at how have we acted? What's our way of being through this really difficult time? Where did we win in our culture? What saved yeah. us? Yeah. Like what made all the difference in the world? I have one company who was adamant against work from home and then they all had to work from home and they are recognizing how committed their people are. They've been performing outstanding working from home. And so how do we take that knowledge now and bring it back into the culture post this mess? Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of being introspective, self-introspective, but organizationally introspective and saying, what are we seeing? What do we want to hold on to? Where were the gaps that we can build into? And it's going to be different for every organization. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, I think this is a really intentional process and a reflective process, as you mentioned, because there's a lot of good things that have emerged from this. So many people have stepped up and it informs the values, it informs the behaviors that are needed now. Yeah, absolutely. And here's my one concern about what we're talking about right now Mm -hmm. is that organizations will take the time to do it. Yeah. Because these aren't things that you jump onto a Zoom call in for 30 minutes and do. Yeah. Like these are things that you've got to create space for. You've got to create conversation. You've got to allow people to just talk for a little while. You ask, your first question is, what am I noticing? I'm noticing that people are having a really hard time making time for some of these broader conversations. Mm-hmm. This whole idea of what do we want our culture to transform to takes time. It's a dialogue. It's a back and forth. And you, you can't necessarily rush it. John, thank you so much for being on the show today. Just always so inspirational to connect with you. And I know that our listeners are going to find a lot of value in this. I certainly have learned a lot just in the last 20, 30 minutes. So we'll connect with you soon. It looks like you've got a bike in the background there. And I know you've always got a bike in the background, Sal. (laughs) John, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Okay. Thanks, man. Okay. Thanks for joining me today to talk about the future of leadership. Don't forget, you can get our free business reprioritization toolkit to help you implement the concepts John and I talked about in this episode today. We also have a number of other free toolkits on our podcast page to help you and your people through this time, including how to lead with inspiration in a virtual environment, leading through crisis, using DISC to connect virtually, and the manager's survival guide to the pandemic. You can go out to our podcast page and get all of those resources for free at 512solutions.com. That's the numbers 512solutions.com. We will get through this extraordinary time together. Thank you for joining me. And I look forward to continuing the conversation about the future of leadership. I'm out.